Bum 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 bim 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 bum b
for the beginning. One second, one second, one second. to learn in this very, very special place before Rosh Hashanah one more time. And I'm still flying from the last time we got to meet together. But um, it just means that tonight even has to be stronger. Bezrat Hashem, much stronger. I want to learn tonight, we're going to learn for the Refua Shlema of Immanuel Batrut, for the Refua Shlema of Rebbe Tzanhana Rasha Bas Yitarata. Also for the Refuah Shlema of Leah Dvora Kivisi Abbas Chaya. Lilui Nishmas, 50th Yardzeit of Yisrael ben Tanchum Hufayhu, whose son and grandson are with us tonight. And also Lilui Nishmas, our dear friend from the Moshav, Michal Moshe Ze'ev ben Natan. Recently, and I'm sure you could relate to this on a certain level, I heard of a story that happened in a yeshiva. It, it seems like it's like an old, old, ancient Hasidic tale, and uh, it happened in our, it, it happened in our times. But listen to this. This is mind blowing. There was this kid, and he probably like I don't know late twenties, mid twenties, and he was in a yeshiva, and when they finished saying slichas and what's a Shabbos. He stayed for God knows how long, crying bitterly. And you could tell he had so much to ask Mechila for from Hashem. 
So when finally one of the other people there, I think it was one of the Rebbeim, had the courage to go up to this kid and say to them, what, what, ha- what, what happened? Is someone sick? Is someone something really wrong? What, what did you do? What kind, of, what kind of crime did you commit this year? You know? So the kid said, he couldn't get the words out. He said, it's not that. So I said, so why, why are you crying without, without any control? What's happening inside? So he said, I, I have a lot. I have some serious slicha to ask from God. I have some serious licha to ask from that. So this person that was asking the kid what's wrong, he, he was certain that there was some kind of really horrible, mysterious secret that this kid had done this past year, which caused him to feel such remorse and which caused him to feel such a need to ask for mechila. But he could see, he would sense that wasn't coming out of this, this boy, this man, this young boy. So finally he waited with him for a bit long. He said, Whatever his name was, I want to mention his name. He said, what, 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 what's, what's, in the, what's in the root of what's going on with you? Listen to what he said. He said, last year I promised God one thing. And I didn't keep it. And it's killing me inside. He said, what's the one thing you promised God that you didn't keep? So he said, I promised God that I would turn to him when I need him. And I managed to get by without crying out to Hashem the whole year. I managed to get by without crying out to Hashem. Ki You know, some people consider the status of Poshea regarding how many minutes they were cheating between milk and meat. Some people have a big, you know, judgment on themselves regarding how much Lashon Hara they spoke. And, and obviously we're not saying, we're not here to justify the other bad stuff. But to cry over the fact that you promised God that you were going to cry out to Him this year and that you never really, really cried out to Him and you were still managed you still manage to get by and to really feel pain over that? I don't know, for me, that kind of like saved my, my, my understanding of slichas this year because we all know that us young, deep thinkers already, we're like, you know, post-slichas. We're already like, you know, that was for the old school, right? They had to go, they really had averas, and they had to say, they had to krecht and krecht, but... We already understand we're in a new world now, and, and now God is closer, and it's not like it, it's not like it used to be. And and what's what lies beneath the need to try to stay as far away as you can from breaking and crying to Hashem that you need Him is something we're going to be touching upon tonight. You see, in the root of almost every area of a shallow relationship with God, there is this pagan understanding of I don't want to owe God anything, so I'd rather not ask Him for anything. Because owing God, that's like the really, you don't want to be on that side. You always want to keep your cards, you always want to feel like, if you did bad, you could always pull out the, but look at, you know, I don't owe you anything anyway, that kind of side. That's because our understanding of owing Hashem something is such a pagan worship 
but we stay away from it like wildfire. Because we think that if we cry out to Hashem, then I get the chain put on me and I'm on the leash the rest of the year. When really, I become the freest person in the world once I run to Hashem and not from Hashem. It's a very, we put in Evan Shlomo and Gracious' long story about Rav, it's very special for me to say this because last week, Mamish at this time, I was by the cover of the Baal Shem Tov, Mamish right now. And uh, the next morning, we went to Rabbi Nassim, in Westlove. And this whole story about Rabbi Nassim, one of his cousins who was, went bankrupt, and the whole point of the story kept on running away, and then Rabbi Shlomo sang it so beautifully, instead of running from, run to, the sins, the sin of Adam Arishon, the sin of Adam was that instead of running from, uh, instead of running to Hashem, after falling, he ran from Hashem and tried to hide. So anyway, that story puts slichas into perspective for me in such a, in such a, in such a crucial manner, because I feel like you know maybe all of us, on a certain level, we were able to get away from running to God the whole year, really running to God. I mean, like not only when things are horrible, but Mamish running to Hashem and completely mevatling ourselves to what's really real and what's bigger than us. And we managed to get through another year. So Hashem says, okay, great. But remember last year you were talking about Sefer Hachaim Lamancha? Remember we were saying there's a Sefer called Sefer Hachaim, then there's the other Sefer that's not too, shat, not too good, then there's a higher Sefer which is called Sefer Hachaim Lamancha. Remember that? So Sefer Hachaim Lamancha be written in a book which is called I'm Living For You means I'm going to be running to you the whole year. I'm running to you the whole year, Yibam And I'm begging you for Mechila right now that the one thing that I told you last year I'm going to run to you, whether it's good, whether it's bad, even when it was, when it's, when it was good and I don't run to you, I know that's foolish. When it was bad and I didn't run to you and I thought it was heroic, that's even more foolish. That's going to tie in exactly to an unbelievable piece that we have from Reb Shlomo from 1974, teaching here in Yerushalayim, Rebbe Nassim's Likute Halachas, and um, tying it in with a wonderful piece from the Sfas Amis. So I believe there's enough to pass around. Let's do it as fast as we can, because I really want to get... To the, to the heart of this Torah tonight and not have to rush. Like I always say, learning this stuff, we're learning this Torah from the first time since it was spoken in 1974. That's because it was transcribed 
41 years later today. So, for the first time. So, learning this for the first time, there's no words to thank Hashem for such a schus. So, and also, if things aren't that clear, it's because we, we still have to work a little bit stronger on the editing, but we'll do as best as we can, okay? This is how Shlomo says. When I find something on the street, so I'm walking around announcing what I have found, looking for the owner. So Reb Nachman says, when we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, the Ribbono Shel Eilam is announcing to the world, I found your neshamas. I know you lost it. Come and get it. We could stop here right now and take this paragraph with us till Rosh Hashanah and it'd be enough. In anticipation for the announcement that our neshamas were found. And that's how we prepare ourselves which would be an incredible thing. Shreino. So Shlomo continues and it says, however, it takes so much strength to claim ownership. <laughs> Do you hear how deep this is? However, does this, does this resonate at all to anyone about that if someone announces that they found something that's really yours, meaning someone has found a piece of you you ever have a friend that in the friendship it's like a relationship they have found a piece of you. You've been lost. Someone else was able to find it. That's called a godly chavrusa, a godly relationship. When two parts of the, every zivug, it could be husband and wife, it could be friendships, it could be Rebbe's student, it could be anything, right? That part, what a, what, what, what a person has found is part of you. But to be able to have enough guts to claim ownership and saying, that beautiful thing that you're describing is me. We stop ourselves a million times a day from claiming ownership over those moments when our lost identities are somewhat found. So look how... Listen, I can't tell, I have to be honest, you all look really freaked out and tripped out right now, and I can't tell if it's because you have no idea what, what this is saying or because... Oh my God, yeah, you know, yes, it's true, so help me out, whoever you want to help me out. <laughs> and if you don't understand, like, well, he'll give an example, he'll be giving examples in a second, but it doesn't help if, if I, if, you know, if I'm tripping out on this alone, and, you know, <laughs> I could do that at home too, but I, I, you know what I mean, like, if something's really not clear, like, let's support it, do you have a question? Well, I was just going to confirm your suspicion. I, I don't get it at all. Uh, what do you mean you found my soul? I mean, it just sounds nice, but really, I didn't say I lost it. <laughs> I, mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I want to get it. I really want to get me, it. Oh, me too. <laughs> I want to get it too. I want to get it too. And you know what? The only way I can get it, you can get it. What's your name? Rebecca. If people ask, like Rebecca's asking, <laughs> it's the only way we'll get anything. I want to get it too. I'll share with you what I feel so far from this. Um, but again, this is just my humble take. I don't, you know, it's just my limited uh, uh, perception. I think that there's nothing, ro- like, it's not only is there nothing wrong that a year passes and you feel lost, it's almost the way nature was designed. It wasn't designed that I go through cycles in life found. <laughs> Somewhat of nature makes me go through winter and summer, especially winter, when I go through hibernation, and I can't find myself anymore, 
it's just the way the nat that nature was created. So there's nothing wrong by being lost. That's part of nature. What's wrong is being scared to claim ownership over part of you that's found. What that means is something else, which that's the meat of tonight. That's really the root of, of what we're like. What that means that it's that the shofar resembles claiming ownership over Yenishama is what we're going to be talking about tonight. However, like we have this concept of like the world was created, Hashem created the world, and everything was perfect till man came and he messed up everything, and that's like our lives. Like everything was given to us, it's perfect, then we, we mamish messed everything up. So, like my Adid Nefesh and one of my greatest teachers. David Sachs in Los Angeles always says, if Gan Eden was so perfect, then what was the snake doing there in the first place? Right? So meaning we have, to, we have to snap out of this illusion of everything was perfect, man came, and then he messed everything up. Right? In the fabric of creation is the expectation and almost the need at a certain point that something will happen through your year, through your time in this world, and you'll lose yourself. So the, the problem we have is that we don't want to admit it. We do not want, we, we can't admit it. But why don't we want to admit it? Why don't we want to admit it? It's scary. It's not safe. As if the other place of, of, is safe, right? Okay, let's go back inside. However, it takes so much strength to claim ownership. So look at the next paragraph. On Rosh Hashanah, my neshama and my mind become renewed. This we learned two weeks ago, that the month of Elul is a preparation to have hitchadshut hamochim, the renewal of intellect. So Reb Shlomo says here, my neshama and my mind become renewed. And when I have a new mind and a new neshama, I also have a different face. It's all part of it. It's a package. It's all part of the whole deal. It says in the Sfa, what does this mean, a, a new face? Look what he says here. It says in the Sfasemis a very strong thing. Who is the Sfasemis? He was the second Rebbe in the Chasidut of Gur, of Ger, Rebbe Yehuda Aryeh And he was the grandson of the first Chasidish Rebbe of Gur, Rebbe Yitzchak Meir. And, and um, I have the privilege of being his direct descendant from my mother's side. We're directly from this line from the Chidush Arim. So whenever we, I see these names, to me it's very, very special. It says in the Svasanas a very strong thing. It's mamish heartbreaking. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I think I really have such a stupid face. And one begins to ask, God, how could it be that you created me looking like this? Okay. Did anyone ever have that question before? <laughs> like, there's like one person in the room that's scared to say, no, I, I didn't, that's because they're so holy, but... <laughs> no, I never had that question before. Again, one begins to ask, God, how could it be that you created me looking like this with this kind of face? I'm forgetting something crucial. Before God made my face, before He formed me, He consulted with me and asked me, what do you want to look like? And the sad truth is, I don't really look like the way I had wanted to look. Meaning, there's this tradition that we have in Jewish mysticism that God consults, consults with each soul before it's descended down to this world about its shlichut, about what it's going to have to do in this world. 
And one of the things that it's being consulted with is, what do you want to look like? And it's not God's dictating to me, this is what you have to look like. But I have somewhat of a say in what I want to, to look like. What's our problem? Is that I don't recognize myself anymore. Because I don't look like how I wanted to look like once upon a time. So I look in the mirror and I blame it all on God. Say, how, what, kind of face, how, what kind of face is this? Why do I, why do I look like this? And he, he even says this so much deeper. Look what he says. Whatever I did to my inside is what's happening on my face. And by the way, in Hebrew, that's so strong, because how do you say the word face in Hebrew? Panim. Panim, right? It's a reflection of what's going on on the inside, right? All we are busy with now is looking for the mirror of our neshamas, because our souls never change, right? It's our physicality that changes. So I'm like starving, looking for something that will resemble something untouched, which is our neshamas, right? You know, I, I've seen this with people, that at a certain point in their life, and I'm thinking about someone specifically right now, a teacher that many of you know as well, when he was done with this game of hiding from God, and he just he threw himself into, into, into elokut, godliness, his, he physically started looking different. His face, not that he suddenly looked like, I couldn't recognize him. No, but you, it's, it was almost like a pristine face, like, wow, your face, you have such a refined panim. That's because your panimius was so refined. Have you, ever, you, have you ever seen that before with certain people? Could you go back to that Aaron Hashem was never changed? Our soul, what gets blemished? The soul is not touched, right? What's touched? So if we want to learn this like in a very Lubavitch manner, my nefesh Bahamas, that aspect, my godly, uh, my, my animalistic side of it is what's really touched and what messes around with me. But sometimes in order to start from the beginning, I have to find one place that I could recognize as home. Okay? And the one place I can recognize as home is when I find a little bit of what my neshama is all about, what my soul, who, my, who I really am in the deepest depths. Okay. Now, so, this Fas Emes says, like, now, up until now, it seems very depressing, this last paragraph, but Baruch Hashem doesn't end here. So this Fas Emes says like this, if for one second in my life I could see the way I want my face to look like, I'd get there. What does that mean? I'd get there? I'd make it. I'll hold out. I, I could do it. Again, if for one second in my life I could see the way I want my face to look like, meaning if I get a glimpse of what I had initially told Hashem when He was consulting with me before I came down into this world, it would give me enough koyach to go through anything in life. Which, by the way, this, this happens on a very personal level once a week. See, on Shabbos, I get a taste of how I really want my life to be like, and that gives me enough strength to make it through every single week. But on a completely neshama level, on a soul, body level, whatever you want to call it, it happens big time in Rosh Hashanah. So look what he says. At the moment of the blowing of the shofar, the Ribbono Shel Olam opens our hearts and our minds, and we know again what we want to look like. By the way, state, you have to hold out now to the end of Shear, because the end of Shear is going, do not turn the page, but the end of Shear will bring this point to life. After we know what we want to look like, 
I hopefully announce myself and claim ownership over myself. The Sogevah, what Reb Shlomo did here with the Sfas Emes, what Reb Shlomo did with this Sfas Emes is when he's saying, he's saying, hopefully what happens to Kiyos Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, like Elul is all our preparation to feel the following, that on Rosh Hashanah, there's a, new, there's a new sound blown into me. I get a taste of what I want to look like. Sorry, I get a taste of who I am, and I say, that's me. And then I claim ownership over it, and now I can do the root work of tshuva, which all the Rebbes say, real tshuva only begins when? I don't want to exempt anyone from anything that you took upon yourself during Elul. But the whole point of Elul is to be able to claim ownership over who you are on Rosh Hashanah. But that's only to enable you to do the real root work of tshuva, which begins really at Tzom Gedalia. Well, really Rosh Hashanah. Aser Yisimei Tshuva. Okay? So now, the question is, we're left with a very strong question, which is the next line. How did I become so unrecognizable in the first place? And this is, this is what we all want to know. How is it possible that by the end of the year, or maybe sometimes a few weeks into the year, I don't recognize myself for nothing, but the real me. That if someone would come and give me a picture of who I really am, I'd say, sorry, you got the wrong person. How does that happen, that we become so unrecognizable? You with me? Okay, so now we're getting to the to the juice. Here I want you to open your hearts. Now, I, w- I looked all over for this. I, I, you have to know, this one kept me, I was looking all over for it. And Reb Shlomo, because he was reading very sporadically, very, like, what he did was, I realized later, is that he, he had a sefer in front of him, and he says, he would read one line, then he probably skipped four columns and continued in the middle of the sentence, something that caught his eye. Then he probably continued a few chapters later, he sent me on a, it was great, he sent me on such a run, it was great, it was great. So it's like Reb Nachman says, you have to have Bikias and all the Sfarim, like you have to know your way around the whole library of, of Sfarim, right? That was, Reb Shlom made sure we'd be running around from Sefer to Sefer. So here that, this, what's that? You just open a Sefer, look into it, close it, and then you go on, and, and then you open it again, Right. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah. But if you don't, but when you're when you're not live, and we weren't live, and you're yeah. listening, so you think, okay, he's reading, and it's continuing, not at all. So, yeah. so we we found finally found it after a long time, and it's based on Likutei Alachos. You should see it inside Likutei Alatrib Nasan or Achaim Hilchos Beis Aknesses Halacha Hey. In Halacha Hey, I should have written here. It's taken from. Seif Yud Gimel Yud Dalet Ted Zion Yud Ches and you like meaning you go for it you you'll, you'll check it out on your own I mean you could take my word for it but that wouldn't be fun like so go go for it okay but this is now based on Reb Nassim's understanding of Reb Nachman again here I want you to open your hearts the way God is dealing with us before we immerse ourselves in tshuva is on the level of mekachu memkar does anyone know what mekachu memkar means Give and take. Give and take. Mekach u memkar. Lakachat limkor. To take, to sell. Mekach u memkar. I do a mitzvah, he pays me for a mitzvah. God forbid I do an avera, he, God forbid, pays me for doing an avera. 
that's how many of us, not anyone in this room, but there is a possibility that many people in the world still relate to God like this. Okay? I do a mitzvah, I'll get a maskoret, I'll get a paycheck. Eventually, in Israel. Shatev plus chatzishana, whatever it is, right? I'll get it one day, right? I do an Avera, something bad will happen to me. And I don't do Averas because why? I, I don't want anything bad happening to me. I do mitzvahs, why? It'd be nice to make some money, right? Let's, let's be honest, there's this element. There is that voice, it does exist on a certain level. So the Shlomo says that, the way God is dealing with us like this, Mekachumemkar is when what? Before we've let loose and jumped into the sea of tshuva. Like before we've been able to, like we began this year, before we're able to just let go and say, who am I kidding? What in the world could I do without you, Hashem? You know, every day in the month of Elul, a person has to stop and say, who am I kidding? How long am I going to play this game? Even a holy game. What am I going to, how long do I think I could do anything without you? So as long as I'm under this subconscious, self-induced coma of an illusion that I can do something without God, my understanding and relationship of God is met through mekach o memkai, this very shallow way of relating to the master of the universe, give and take, sell, good, bad, reward and punishment. Reward and punishment. Reward and punishment. Yeah. Okay. Now look what he does here. When, yeah, sorry. What's your take on this uh, the reward and punishment actually approached? How should the, I'm sorry, say it again? Reward and punishment actually approached. It's, it's, it's real, meaning it's part, again, it's part of this creation. It's part of the way Hashem created the world. I can't always be in the world of tshuva. I, I can only do tshuva when I'm, meaning... Tshuva is something that I have to do. I have to leave a place and go into it, correct? Maybe I'll stay there. But while I'm out of it, it plays a very significant role in my life. So I, you can't knock it and say it doesn't exist. Reb Shlomo is just explaining, you have to realize, it's, that's not Gan Eden. Like, that's not lit aneg betanugim. That's not like, it's part of the way the world was designed, but there's something much deeper than just reward and punishment. There's oneg. There's ahava batanugim, like the Alter Rebbe writes. So it's a, it, it's, I'm very glad you pointed it out. If chas v'shalom, any, anyone understood me saying, that's sheker, mekachu memkar, and it's child play, that's not what we're saying. But it's definitely, the lo, it's definitely the beginning of the journey. Some people aren't even aware that that exists. I question if that's the case, and if that was the question, so it should say, a mindset in which they are Because what you're saying is that well, not what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, right, right. Wait, wait, wait. Is it a contradiction? On the one hand, you might have to like, live up to a certain status. Are you married? What? No. Not yet. 
explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I don't know. <laughs> no, no, because I'm thinking about like, you know, in, in certain relationships, you realize that as much as you have to be, make sure that the, the, the pluses are more than the minuses, mm-hmm. at, at a certain point, you want, you want much more than that. So it doesn't mean that you stop caring about the pluses versus the minuses, but if you, you, can't, you can't stay in the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but again, but, but, but it's very good what you're bringing up because if it's making me think, ah, forget the pluses and minuses, and by the way, many people have thrown away olama alakha because of what you just said. What is it? If, my, if, if the real, real deal is to be swimming in godliness, right? Then what do I need halacha for? That's the plus and minus syndrome. That's, that's going to make me that crazy, right? That, that's from the bottom of the class. I think the fact that or maybe it's a ribuimah. I'm just saying, uh, certain I'm people are like this. A lot, of, a lot of learning happens that, especially in Bamechu, uh, you're flying through and you want to keep the halacha. The next thing you know, when it comes to reality, you're breaking. Kind of like I recently uh, met a friend of mine who um, he's a Rav and he is burnt out. <laughs> he's about to, he's, he's done right now. He's toasted, right? And he's freaking out. I said, what are you, you're just a burnt out Baal bro. Just mm-hmm. chill out. For, it's fine. But you're right. We get, we get freaked out from the... It's a much deeper conversation. I'm really glad you're bringing it. Don't ever be sorry. For bringing these things up, one second. I want to move on. Continue, right, continue it later. No, no. I, I, I really want to move on for right now. But I'm saying that to get stuck in in the relationship, making sure my wife sees that I did buy her flowers this week and didn't get angry at her and think that that's a success, <laughs> might work for the first year. No, no. Again, it's the foundation. You can't start flying. Whoever thinks they're starting off by flying will be go through a very rough few years, which most people do. But you taste it through learning the other person, who they are, learning what you're about, and realizing that as important as the plus, minus, reward, and punishment is pivotal and crucial, there's something you're supposed to aim and be aiming towards, which is greater than that, without lessening from the importance of reward and punishment. Okay, let's go further. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, we're, it's already 8.20 and, and there's really a, a lot I want to get to right now, so we'll continue. Okay, we're in the third paragraph, or we're, in the, we're in the third line in this paragraph where you're towards the second to end. When God created the world, everything was a matnas chinam, an undeserved gift. There was nobody to ask anything about. He just did it, meaning God just did it. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean on a pshat level right now? What does it mean that when God created the world, everything was a matnat chinam, an undeserved gift? Who, who, who's, who's he doing it for? <laughs> At the, in the moment. Who's he not doing it for in the moment? Matnat chinam. Undeserved gift. There was nobody to ask anything about. He just did it. So, Reb Nachman says that tshuva is coming from that level of otsar matnat chinam. Otsar means a treasury of an undeserved gift. Tshuva itself is a gift, meaning the privilege 
the privilege, at the end of the day, as hard as you worked on yourself, to find yourself again. If you think it's because you worked hard enough on yourself, you're still on the outside. When it's mamish for real, when the work is really for real of tshuva, and you do taste a little bit of yourself again, it's clear to you. It was a gift. For instance, people can work, and by the way, that's the mitzvah of Bikurim, of this past Shabbos, why it says, Kolag Torah Kulash Kulak and again mitzvahs Bikurim, because you have every reason in the world to taina, to feel that this first fruit which you worked so hard for is because you worked so hard for it. And the Torah says, Davka, that is what you take and show Hashem, even this is a gift, I know. So Reb Shlomo is saying, just like when the world was created, it was just one big matnas chinam, you taste that when you do tshuva, because tshuva, the ability to do tshuva and immerse yourself in the world of being close to Hashem, even, though, even if you worked so hard on yourself, it's really a gift, and you feel it when it's for real. Like, if anyone ever says, I worked hard and davened enough to have the beautiful children that I have. They should be thrown in spiritual jail, whatever that means, you know. <laughs> you can look at your child and say, I worked hard enough and therefore I have them. If you don't feel that your child is a gift, it's the same exact thing. Reb Shlomo said, the reason why someone has a child and someone doesn't has nothing to do with how hard you worked on it. It's a gift. By the way, he's children even more. Even more, that's what I'm <laughs> told. <laughs> well, there's one more level, Rib Shlomo said, that's also a total gift. The fact that you and I are sitting here in Eretz Yisrael is a matnat chinam. It's an undeserved gift. That, you heard, that we heard the calling, lech lecha. It's not because you did anything. I don't want to you know, ruin anyone, like, anyone's <laughs> theories, but it's because you, you were privileged to hear something. It's a matnat chinam. Okay. Now Reb Nachman says that this Otsar Matnas Chinam, listen to this, is only given, sorry about this typo, is only given to Tzaddikim. Feeling like everything is on, right? This tasting, tshuva, oneness, everything is pure, clean, natural, fresh, is given to the Tzaddikim. Why so? Why is this Otsar Matnas Chinam this treasure chest of undeserved gifts given to tzaddikim, to righteous holy people, this is so beautiful. Reb Shlomo says like this, and, and I want you to think about this in a really strong way, okay? What do averas cause you to think? What do sins eventually, how do they damage us, right? In the craziest way, the more averas you do, the more you think God owes you something. Now you think the other way around, right? The more mitzvahs I do, the more I think God owes me something. Something becomes really distorted in us when we do more averas we do, the more we somehow end up in a really weird conclusion that eventually, really, if I balance things out, God actually owes me something. Like Rabbi Shalom says here, talk to the lowest, creepiest Baal Avera. What's his relationship to God? He mamish thinks he is tremendous. It's like, you know, like Rav Shlomo said this in another place, like, and I've seen this too, you know, people that think that they, you know, they did every aver in the book, but as long as they sent their children to get Jewish education, then they're shocked when, you know, 
Yonatan, a.k.a. Johnny, brings home, you know, Christina, they're like, how, how in the, what did we, how could this be? Right? Because you have a, you think you did so much good, but really, you have, you come to a conclusion somehow that God actually owes you something. When you think God owes you something, you're tuned into the wrong plug. There's something really messed up. Even if you did a bunch of mitzvahs, even if you did a bunch of averas, thinking that God owes you something is a very heavy, heavy, heavy thing. And each of us have a little bit of that. Come on. A little bit. No, not a lot. There's some kind, of, some kind of remnant, some kind of taste of that. So look what he says here. Fourth line, last word in the third line on the bottom paragraph. The real tzaddikim, the real holy people of the world, walk around thinking, God doesn't owe me anything. You think Rav Nachman walked around thinking that God owes him something? You think Rashi walked around saying, God, you, 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 owe, me, you owe me a really good parish on Masechta Nadarim, you know? <laughs> and, and therefore he got a parish, and therefore we have Rashi and Gemara. <laughs> you think the Radak... He, he had such a, you know, he was like, you know, I'm so into prophecy, and therefore he got a great, God owes me a good parish on the prophets. The tzaddikim don't think God owed them anything. They view everything as a matnas chinam. And I want you to know that in a, in a radio interview in January 1975, a few months after Shlomo became a father for the first time, at the age of, he had just turned 50 over there, okay, he said a crazy thing. Someone asked him, he said, tell us about like, your, your children, like, your, your daughter, you had one daughter then. He's like, what does it feel like to be a father? And he basically said, for the first time in his life, he actually knew for a fact that he deserved, that he received an undeserved gift. That's what he said. The real tzaddikim, the real holy people of the world walk around thinking, God doesn't owe me anything. Therefore, okay, now, who's going to Uman here? Nice. Therefore, it's going to make you feel really either more confused or, 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 or feel really good right now. Shalah Asani. Therefore, Ibn Nachman says, it's so important to be with the tzaddik on Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because the whole thing of Rosh Hashanah is to reach the level of Otsar Matnat Chinam, to experience everything brand new again, like the day Adam HaRishon was created. This is the reason why it's very important to be with tzaddikim who are truly in this state. So here he says amazing thing. What's, what's the point of return? The point of return is that the, the whole point of Chuv, the whole point of the Rosh Hashanah, the whole thing we're in, is just so that we can work ourselves up to a place of feeling that everything in our lives is an undeserved gift. That I go to my Yantiv table, Leila Rosh Hashanah, I look at everything I have. I don't think of what I don't have. I look at everything that I have. I look at my child's eyes. I look at my own fingers. I look at anything, and I feel like it's like the first day of this world when whatever God created was an Otsar Matnat Chinam. Therefore, Ibn Nachman says, spend time by people who live like this most of the time. 
Like Rabbi Shalom once says, why do you go to a Rebbe that he should daven for you when you need a refuah or something? It's because you want to go to someone who actually really does believe in davening. <laughs> That's why you go to a Rebbe. It's not, it's not because you're not holy and he's holy, but it's because he simply believes in prayer more. So therefore you go and you ask him. <coughs> if you believed in prayer as much as he did, you'd also have keys to crack open heaven. So Reb Nachman saying, the whole thing of being by the tzaddik and Rosh Hashanah, Bichlal, you know, he has another Torah in Likute Maran where he says, the Gemara says, Chayav Adam Lahag Rabba Baregel, meaning you're supposed to go to, the, to your Rebbe, the person you learn from on Shalash Regalim. But Reb Nachman makes it very clear, Rosh Hashanah, to be by the tzaddik. That's why Uman has become such a huge, huge thing. You know, I was there last week, there was only like maybe 500 people there, so what we were just trying to feel is like, can you imagine 40,000 people here right now, you know? So I don't want to get into the whole, would he want us to go or not? It's all, it's okay, you know. One year, you don't have to deal with it. People should just dive in strong wherever they are. <laughs> so, how does one access this Otsar Matnas Chinam? Reb Nachman is saying over here, it's not enough to just be by the tzaddik. And let's say you can't be by someone who really feels that everything is a Matnas Chinam. How do you and I that can't, where we're in a world, we're in a modern world where we don't have necessarily rebbies, we don't have access to people who you really feel that in their presence they truly believe that everything is an undeserved gift. People that walk around thinking that they don't, God doesn't owe them anything. How do you and I, in our own day, in our own world, in our own lives, access this otsar matnat chinam, this treasure chest of undeserved gifts? How do we do it? Two very strong words. And you've probably heard these words in other places. Tmimus and Pshitus. Tmimus means being whole. And Pshitus means mamish simple. We don't realize how exalted it is to reach the level of serving God from Pshitus, from simplicity. You know, we don't. We always think there's something in us that thinks it can't be this simple. It's got to be more complicated. I got to be deeper. It's got to be more complex. Reaching the level of pshitus is not that it's so hard. It's just so hard to believe that that's an exalted thing. That's what's so hard about it. You know how? How many of you really feel that if you woke up in the morning and you sang Aleph Beis Gimel Dalet Hey, how many of you would actually feel that that was something really holy? I don't know, Reb Shlomo found that to be holy enough when he met these two girls in Russia in 1970s in Chastara to receive one of the highest nigunim in the world that the whole world is singing because of the simplicity of these two Russian girls who barely knew even the Aleph base. We don't believe, it can't be that deep. So some of us get into Reb Shlomo and then in order to show people that we're not just Shlomo, however, we're serious, so we feel like we have to drop big names like Reb Chaim Brisker says or it says in the Mahara. Like, again, every word of Reb Chaim, every word of the Maral, every word of the Pachad Yitzchak, every word of the Nefesh Chaim, every word is Kodesh Kodashim. But even those tzaddikim would say that really, Ika Avodos Hashem, Bitmimus Vipshitus, that's simplicity. Serving God from simplicity, like Reb Nachman says, Bli Shum Chochmos Klal, throwing away all Chochmas, you know, you know what a, you know what a ch- uh, chokhmas are, right? Chucking that all away. 
we don't really believe that that's a really exalted thing. We think life always has to be more complex and, and, and contradicting and confusing in order for it to be real and holy. Sheker, that's the Satan. So we come to Shoshana, the whole point of the two days, Yom Ha'arichta, we say it's Le'arbevet Satan. It is that simple. Let's go to Shul, hear the shofar, find your Neshama, done. Not that that's so simple, right? But what's the whole thing? I remember, I, I, I said this two years ago to the Chari we're learning with. One year, I was in Australia, Rosh Hashanah. I couldn't get out of my head. And I was chazan. And I felt bad for that kehillah. No one, no one from here is there, and I, I don't know who's going to listen, who's going to watch, but Emma Asot is being real. I couldn't get out of my head. I was so stuck in, in two, two in Yanim. And I was like, and it was like getting closer to Hinani, to Musaf. I'm like, oh my God, this is, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is going to be a really bad scene. Their, their, their year, it's such, so pompous. I said, their year is going to be really messed up because, you know, it, says the, it goes through the chazen, the tefillah, right? Whatever, it's a, whatever, pre-1A, but whatever, that's what I thought. So I begged, I said, well, I have to wrap myself around one thing that's just simple. And I said to myself, What's the only thing I'm supposed to be doing from the Torah right now that I know for sure? That's all I'm supposed to be doing right now. Understanding what it means, what the key is. I don't understand anything. So I had mamish amatnas chinam because there's no way I deserved that get out of jail for free card. There's no way. This Lubavitcher got up there, he had a really trippy beard, and he distracted me from my thoughts for the first few seconds, then I went into the chauffeur's voice, and for a few minutes, I, I, I was saved. I felt like I was saved. It's like I told you a good friend of ours, I'm not going to mention names, he went to Uman one year, Rosh Hashanah, he told me that he walked around Uman the first day, and he was so confused, he contemplated, he, he debated whether God really existed or not. This is a guy with long beard and pace. The teacher. I said to him, well, what, what'd, you, what'd you do? He said to me, brother, thank God there was a second day. Right? That's what he said. Thank God. Rosh Hashanah is not one day. And it makes sense because first day is Dina Kashia, second day is Dina Rafia. It's a whole thing and we're not to get into it right now. But there is this Indian of like being simple and just believing that God exists is like a really, really, really amazing thing. You know? It's really cool. It's really amazing. Don't belittle it. It's, it's tremendous. It's the point of Rosh Hashanah. You exist, God exists and you exist, and it's real. It's really for real. So, let's try to, let's try to get through the rest. We're okay? We can go a few more minutes? As if anyone would say no right now. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get through this. We don't realize how exalted it is to reach the level of serving God from pshitus, from simplicity. Look what he says here. How much does it take out of me to breathe? It's the simplest thing in the world, and yet if I stop breathing, I'll, God forbid, die. I'll take off. Isn't that weird? And now suddenly you're all noticing your breaths in the room right now. Right? That which has you, kept you alive for the last hour, it's kept you alive since your creation, but we don't, we're so unconscious and not aware of that which actually does keep me alive. But it's some, so why, why is that? How could that be? The things that are really the most simple are the, those things that keep me alive. 
And why don't I, why come I'm not aware of it? And look what he says here. You don't have to be super sophisticated to connect to this simplicity. You don't have to get a PhD in breathing, right? All you have to do is to connect to your nature. Nobody teaches the baby it has to eat. But it's so simple because it's so natural. See, a baby knows what it needs in order to live. Why? Because the baby is just, it doesn't think too much. It just knows what it needs. And it's so simple. For a tzaddik, look what he says here. For a tzaddik, being a servant of God is the most natural thing in the world. So what does that mean? For a tzaddik, serving Hashem is the most simple thing in the world. It's not a... It's very, very clear that without that, they are dead. You know how much you have to work on yourself to reach that level of simplicity? You know how much you have to run away from so many things? You know how many times during the year you have to stop and say, who am I kidding? In order to reach this place of not having the bonus day in my life is literally a fish out of water. It's not just a cute metaphor. It's, it really is that. It really is that. I once saw, look what he says here. I once saw two fathers with their sons standing by the holy wall. One father was hitting his child, screaming at him to say, Amen, right? After the brachas. He was hitting him the whole time. The other Yiddle was very sweet. And the way he told his son to say Amen was sweet like sugar. What's the difference between these two fathers? For the second father, Yiddishkeit was mamish natural. For the other, Yiddishkeit was unnatural. He had to force it. And if you force it on yourself, you force it upon your children as well. I found that statement to be so profound. Everyone's so nervous. How am I going to transmit Yiddishkeit to my children? How am I, how are they going to avo- how am I going to avoid with them what happened to me? Shlomo says, if it's clear to you like daylight that being a servant of God is the most natural lifeline in the world, you'll never need to force it on yourself and you won't force it on your children as well. So Reb Nachman says, Rosh Hashanah is all about becoming natural again. And this happens through Tmimus and Pshitus, because you can only reach the level of Otsar Matnas Chinam, you can only reach the level where you feel like everything is a gift through Tmimus and Pshitus, through doing everything with Tamim, meaning wholeheartedly, and Pshitus, simple. Can you imagine if this year, you know, I see guys come to Shul with every Masechta and Sefer they ever learned for Yom Kippur. Why? Because davening's long, I've got to be busy. Like those Alonei Shabbat that they put outside shuls Friday night. Ruch Hashem, here it's not so big in certain shuls. Can't imagine someone going to daven with Rav Raz, bringing the tons of Alonei Shabbat. Because there you go to daven. <laughs> but there's, some still, there's still some shuls in the world where they have every single type of Shabbos magazine right when you come into the shul. It's not a weird thing. It's such an, it's such an anti-davening thing. It's such a weird thing. Samish is so weird. This is what the blowing of the shofar is all about. The first tzkiah 
is a very simple sound, a very natural sound, one blow. In the middle comes the struggle of this world, the shvarim and the trua. And they are teaching us that there are two ways of being broken. You can be broken naturally and broken unnaturally. What does that mean? Some people are absolutely heartbroken, but the way they mask themselves, the way they tell their story is so unnatural. You know what that means? This, this, is, very, this is a very mind-blowingly deep concept that he just said right now. He said, the, you know, a lot of people are very heartbroken, but they don't believe that if they just tell someone, I'm so broken because something hurts me, that it's not, that's not so deep. I have to come up with a whole explanation of everything I went through since I'm four years old to explain to you why I have every legitimate excuse to be as messed up as I am. Right? But really, if you just go up to a person and say, I'm so heartbroken, this person said something that really hurt me. <coughs> ah, you're not deep, you're shallow. No, my friend. That is the deepest MS in the world. Again, some people are, so, are absolutely heartbroken, but the way they mask themselves, the way that they tell their story is so unnatural. The way they break themselves is so unnatural. But then we have a tkia gedola, a straight line back to nature. That tkia gedola, you have to understand what he just did right now. The tkia, shvarim trua tkia, is exactly our circle of life. It was the whole year. It started off last year, I went out of my way, tkia, this is going to be the year. And somewhere, I don't know where, in November, shvarim, oh boy, it's getting bumpy. Like the roads last week, those cobblestone roads in Ukraine where you start driving on those roads, like Sakanas Nefashas. And then by Hanukkah, or maybe by Tubishva, Trua, I'm screaming like a little kid nonstop. And that happens, that Shvarm Trua, I go back, Shvarm Trua. But then by the end of the year, by the end of Elul, Tkia Gedola, go back. You can become simple again. Go through all the tools Hashem gave you through the month of Elul, through Rosh Hashanah. Go claim yourself. Hashem is saying, I belong to the shofar, here you are. This is you. Say, yes, this is me. On Rosh Hashanah, everything goes back to complete nature. Everything returns to the way God created the world. Because the way God created the world, this Otsar Mat Naschinam, is the most natural thing in the world. So I want you all to know that to, to cry to Hashem and to admit, who am I kidding? I can't do anything without you is the most natural thing in the world. That's not because you messed up and look what you did, so I'm going to run to you, Hashem. This was in the fabric, this was designed in the fabric of creation just to reach this point. And it's the whole Indian, if you want to know, what, what is Chassidus all about? What's Chassidus all about? Bitul Hayesh is to, uh, again, these words in English really don't, they, they, they can mess us up. So I don't want to say if it's self-annihilation or, 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 or just uh, throwing, killing your ego. I don't know. What no, it's, I don't, it's none of it. it. It's all of it, it's none of it. It's bitter. It, you can't say it. 
You really can't say it. Maybe nullifying is closer than self-annihilation. Yes and yes and yes and yes. It's all these different things, but really to understand that to get to this place, you know, sometimes we have this Indian of like, this year it has to be the best in the world. This year things have to be the way, like, I can't go back to the way it was. Okay, that's true, but all you know is what it can't be like. You don't spend a second on what it really is right now. See, the tzkiyas and the, sh- and the shofar come to you to tell you what it actually is right now. What the real reality that you're doing, de- this is real. Hayom haras olam. The most real thing in the world is not what things shouldn't be. It's what's taking place right now. The renewal of the whole world. And now it's your choice. Are you going to be part of nature? Or are you still going to think that to be deep only means I have to be rebellious? That's the only way it could be real and deep. And the shofar comes and blows away all of those illusions if you let yourself just realize that Tmimus and Pshitus is the story of the whole thing. Mamish, the whole thing. And if you look at the sequence of the Parshias leading up to the end of the year, it's what they're doing. Kiteitze, Kitavo, you go out to war, you come to Eretz Yisrael. Litzavim, you learn how to stand. Vayelech, Hazinu, then you listen. So that finally, Vizos Bracha. I just want to receive a year full of Bracha. So, sorry, you wanted to say something? Yeah, something? It's like there's a common misconception that Judaism completely moves away, that people think the opposite of the ego is humility. Right. Judaism, humility actually takes the ego and makes it part of something much bigger. Realizing that the ego only is limited to something much bigger. So you can take Bitoyesh just like there's the piece of pig, right, that goes into the pot. Bit, right. The same thing, Big Tolayash is kind of letting it encompass into something much greater. Okay, that's, 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 that's Alevai. Amen. Amen. Alright, let's sing that in the Nigan one more time in the beginning. And then um, we're going to, Bezrat Hashem, go over this Torah five million times before Rosh Hashanah also. Um, how did it start? I just remember the second part now for some reason.